Lift up your voices. Sing out a song in your own heart, from your own words. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. This city belongs to our God. And this city belongs to our God. Sing it out now. This Come on. Voices lifted up. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Jesus. 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 Name above all names. Jesus. Jesus, name of come on, sing it out. We say, Jesus, Jesus, name above all names. Jesus, come on, come on, sing out his name, proclaim it, Jesus, 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 name above all names. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come on, give it up for Jesus today. Make some noise for Jesus. We love you, Lord. Woo! Grab somebody's hand right now like you love them. Because before we love the city, we got to love the church, amen? Pray for your neighbor right now on the right and left of you. And pray that God will bless them even right now in this service with a manifestation of his love and his grace. Pray that every person's hand that's being held will be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. That whatever's coming against them from the enemy will be stopped. Come on, pray for each other. 
pray that each one of the hands being held right now will be used by God to be a weapon against the enemy. They will be hands of healing. They will be words of encouragement. They will be the feet of peace. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hold hands, come on. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hold hands, come on. It's time, it's time, it's time. 30 more seconds, believe it right now. 30 more seconds, believe it right now. Believe it right now that the person's hand that you are holding will be a world changer. They will be a history maker. They will be a generation shaker. In the name of Jesus, a few more minutes. Come on, pray for each other. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. Jesus. 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 Over every life. Over every person they will touch. Over every person they will speak to. Over every person that will see their t-shirt. Over every flyer that they hand out. Over every hot meal that is served in your name. Over every face that is painted on a child. Jesus. Let them see Jesus in us today. The love of Jesus. The grace of Jesus. The forgiveness of Jesus. Oh, if you believe it, can I hear an amen and put your hands together one more time. Come on. Grab a seat if you're ready to get this party started. Come on. Or I should say, if you want to take it to the next level. Amen. I'm so happy that you're here. My name is Joe Wyrostek, your friendly neighborhood pastor. We are going to now do our training session with the one, the only, Rudy Salt, our on-staff evangelist. Let's give it up as he comes. Ishmael, would you grab that table for him, por favor? I want to just brag on this young man right here. He was saved by evangelism. Right there, sir. Thank you. He was saved by evangelism, by finding a flyer in the elevator, on the elevator floor, right? On the street floor as I was going to the elevator. I love it. Details. Got to get details. I will evangelistically speak as a preacher sometimes. I got to get the details. But listen, he found that flyer. You know what? Could have been from somebody just like you. It could have been thrown down by somebody that had cursed us out because they may do that. They may do that. They may curse you out today. They may get upset with your faith in God. It could have been thrown down by a God-hating atheist. I love atheists, but they hate God. It could have been thrown down by one of them, but God said, I will use a donkey. I will use a fish. I will use an atheist. I will use somebody throwing down a flyer to save a soul. And he picked up that flyer, came to the church, gave his heart to Jesus, came with a group of friends. And how many know sometimes your friends don't want to serve God? They left the church with an attitude, but he stayed because ain't nobody worth going to hell over. Come on, somebody. I got my mom and dad all the way from Florida. Give it up for mom and dad here today, man. We also got some friends right here from Louisiana. Let's give it up for West Monroe, SUM students. And if you've traveled from outside the state, we're glad you're here. But now watch. Even if my mama and papa want to go to hell, I ain't going with them. 
I got my daughter here. She's part of the youngest crew going out today, Bethany and Hannah. Let's give it up for them, seven and eight. If they don't want Jesus and they want to go to hell, I'm not going with them. So if my parents don't want it, if my children don't want it, I still want it. His friends didn't want it. They left, but he stuck around in church because he came for Jesus. He didn't come to be a part of a club or a clique. He didn't come to fit in. But God did a wonderful work in his life, saved him, filled him with the Holy Spirit, put a call on his life. He then joined the Bible college that is stationed here. These brothers have a Bible college in their church. We have one here. We're a part of a network called SUM. Get a hold of us if you have a call on your life. Fully accredited. You don't have to go to Moody. We love Moody, but you can go to a Pentecostal, Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost church and get the same accreditation, federal funding, GI Bill, whatever. He chose to accept the call of ministry. And not only did he go to Bible college, but he did it well got awesome grades. And what were you, the valedictorian of our class? Sum cum laude. Sum cum laude. Praise God. Let's give it up for this, brother. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what it means, but I know it's awesome. I know it's awesome. And he graduated, and right about the same time graduated, he got married to a beautiful young lady named Nicole. Where's she at? Let's give it up for Nicole in the back helping. We love you, Nicole. Give it up for her like she was here. Come on. Started his ministry, started his family with the college education at the same time, and then he needed a job, and the church here is not able to hire and pay all of our pastors, but we pray for favor upon them and their degree, and he got a job working at a nonprofit with nonprofit with troubled youth, and what's the name of that organization? By the Hand Club for Kids. Let's give it up for that, a working man for Jesus, favored, blessed. Blessed to do ministry, blessed in his marriage. So don't let anybody tell you you got to put education above God. He put God above education and got the best in his class. Don't let people tell you you got to put a girl or a man before God. He put God before everything and he is married to a woman of God. Don't let anybody tell you God won't pay the bills. God and this religious stuff don't work. God gave him an amazing job and it's changing the city. So when we say this is our on-staff evangelist, we're saying all that because then he took on the call here to get the baton from Pastor Jared so that Pastor Jared could focus on SUM and teaching and raising up more students, which, by the way, Pastor Jared was one to the Lord through youth evangelism and was our former evangelist here. Amen? The position may change, but the gifts and calling don't. I should say he's still the evangelist, but he's doing the role of a teacher now for the Bible college. And so Rudy has been leading up our Saturday evangelism team 10 different times every week. We go out in this church preaching the gospel. That's more than there are days in the week because there are some days like Friday, we go out multiple places at multiple times. But our main one is on Saturdays that meets here at the church from 5 to 8. And those of you who know about Chicago weather, this brother goes out in minus degree weather with a team that loves Jesus. Let's give it up for our Saturday evangelism team. Amen. And then... They make training videos, and you've already seen it. If you haven't liked the MPI Chicago for Jesus page, like it. You can see the calendar, get the training videos. This brother had it on his heart to talk about Islam. They did a training video, talk about Roman Catholicism, praying to saints, training video. Wanted to talk about heaven or hell issues, the Trinity, which gets challenged a lot in evangelism. All of those videos are there for your training to go back and listen to, but that comes from his heart to get out that information. So when we say Chicago, for Jesus. We are an evangelistic ministry based on the work and labor of men like this right here. So when people ask me, amen, does it work? 
Does it work? I say, how much time do you have? How much time do you have? Now, today, we may not have 1,000 people get saved or 3,000 like they did at Pentecost, but one is worth it. Can I hear an amen? One is worth it. And we've seen them saved, and one of them is now married and in Bible, uh, Bible college. Christina Riasco was saved two years ago. How many? Four years ago? Four years ago, five years ago at the Boricua Fest. Let's give it up for his wife, Christina Riasco. So all day long to the break of break of dawn. So I want us not just to give a standing ovation to the man, but I want us to do it for the God in the man because this brother selflessly serves, has a powerful testimony, and is going to impart to us those goodies you're holding up. So would you set them down, stand to your feet, and bless the Lord for Rudy the Evangelist. Yes, I give it up for Jesus because it's Jesus in me. Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated, but for real, I'm here by the grace of God. No other than God is the reason why I'm here. Only five years, guys, five years, I came to know Jesus. Maybe five and a half years, but still, five and a half years came to know Jesus. And you could go as fast as you want, but get the information. Become a disciple for Jesus. The reason why I've done all these things, and you know, it's not me, it's God in me, is because this church does discipleship. There's something unique about it where Jesus had 11 and he trained them up to change the world. So we're here. We're all wearing these Chicago for Jesus shirts. Some of us aren't, but that's okay. And we're, we're making a, an impact. And we're saying with this shirt, I represent something that is changing first my city, then changing the world. We're disciples of Jesus. This is the church of Jesus Christ. We do what needs to be done if we see people hurting. We got a cure for that. His name is Jesus, right? And, man, Saturdays is so much fun. At the same time, God touches our hearts out there. I'm serious. God touches our hearts as evangelists. Those of you who go out with us Saturdays, you already know God touches your heart. Your faith gets built up. You don't leave the same way you came. If, as long as you go out expecting God to do something amazing, God will do something amazing. Because it's him. It's him who we serve. If we're selfless enough to say, God, fill me up. Change the world through me. Here am I. Send me, Lord. I'll go for you. I'll deliver your message. He looks at your heart. He says, okay, I'll use you. Go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. You all have a handout. Amen. My name is Rudy Salak. He said, he basically said everything about my life in the last five years that I've been here at this church and my life has changed. He basically said it all. I don't think there's anything else I need to say, but God is good. You all have a handout. and It's called Our Call to Evangelize. I wish I put the title bigger, but that's okay. The biggest title there is Chicago for Jesus, and that's what, that's what we're here to do, right? Win Chicago for Jesus. As you can see, our opening text is Matthew 28, verse 18. Very familiar verse to some, some all, but if you haven't heard it, here it is. We'll get on the screen. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Didn't Jesus set us up for greatness? So let's, uh, let's understand what this verse all means. What is the disciple? Is there on your sheet? You can read along with me. It means one who learns. It's a student or a follower. 
So when Jesus had disciples, he had students and followers. It's the same thing. These students were followers. They wouldn't be a follower if they weren't first a student. And students learn from their master. Can I get one of those handouts, please? I'd like to have one by my side. Oh, thanks, Anna. Can you give Anna one now? <laughs> Amen. Let's get up for TJ. TJ, you on that? Amen. Let's get up for TJ, guys. Amen. So a disciple is one who learns from their teacher, follows. And as you can see, I have three roles of a disciple. To teach what Jesus taught, to go where Jesus went, and do what Jesus did. And we're going to get into all of that. First, let's talk about how Jesus was a teacher. Many people called him rabbi because that's what they understood. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he did a, a famous sermon called Sermon on the Mount, where he literally taught things that would change and trump worldviews. From the Jewish law to people who didn't believe, trump worldviews. Teachings like loving your enemy, like who teaches that? To not have revenge, an eye for an eye. He says, don't even worry about it. Vengeance is the Lord's, right? Giving to the needy, prayer. He teaches us how to pray. Storing treasures in heaven, how not to worry, not to judge others. I mean, he teaches on amazing things on this Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 28, 18, when he says, teaching them everything I've commanded you, this is part of it. As disciples, we forward that message. And we say the law is fulfilled in Jesus, that you shouldn't judge anybody, right, unless they're in the church. As Paul says later, you shouldn't worry, right? Narrow is the path that leads to righteousness, right? You got the world thinking, oh, I could, I could go to heaven as long as I'm living good. No, narrow is the white gate, Jesus said, right? But the disciple teaches what Jesus teaches. Jesus taught many things on a Sermon on the Mount. You could read it. It's in Matthew 5 through 6. Read all the lessons. It will trump world views and will give people the truth. When Jesus came, he said, I came to testify to the truth. And he was truth right there. He came to testify to it. Also, Jesus came teaching a great lesson about the kingdom of God. And it's such a concept that he understood that many, many people won't understand. He made a lot of parables. But it, it's, it's not that difficult. Once someone comes to know Jesus Christ, something that's not of this world comes inside of them. And it's called the kingdom of God. It's in the world, but it's not of the world. Jesus said, in Mark 1, 15, he said, the time has come. Jesus said it. Red letters in your Bible, Jesus said it. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What did he mean? I mean, when you repent and believe the good news, surely the kingdom of God will come inside of you. Further on in Luke 17, 20, he said, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. See, it's something that's inside of us. And he taught about this. He says, I'm bringing my kingdom to earth. And even as Pontius Pilate was looking at him, he says, are you a king? Jesus said, well, you said I'm a king. But he wasn't talking about a kingdom that you would see and, and him sitting on a throne. He meant something that is not all this world, but it's in the world, in us. He was bringing the kingdom of God to people who weren't even believers. And once they believed, they had the kingdom of God inside of them. And that's how they changed the world, right? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. In John 18, 36, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. So even when, Jesus was even when Jesus was crucified, he had a plan that the kingdom of God is still on earth. So we teach what Jesus taught. We teach all the commands he's given. 
That even if you look at someone with lust, it's like committing adultery. Even if you hate your brother or sister, it's like committing murder. We teach that, and we teach that the kingdom of God is near. Let me tell you, today we'll be telling a lot of people the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. It's good news that Jesus came, right? That's what we teach what Jesus taught. When he gave his disciples that command, that teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, just because he wanted disciples to make disciples. Next role of the disciple. Disciples go where Jesus went. And man, let me tell you, you could read through the Gospels. Miracle after miracle, place after place, town after town, crowds. And why? It's because when he taught that Sermon on the Mount, he taught with authority. And everywhere he went with authority, he wasn't sure. He wasn't walking around like, oh, let me see if I can heal. Let me see. Let me see. No, he taught and he healed the sick and he raised the dead. All these crowds. Where did Jesus go? He went to the people. And the evangelist goes to the people. And I don't want to hold evangelist as a term like now we should all be evangelists. The disciple is automatically, automatically an evangelist. The disciple is. Disciples make disciples. How do they do that? They're going to stay in their house and say, Lord, send me Bartholomew. Let me make a disciple. No, we go and get Bartholomew. And oftentimes I say if, if Chicago doesn't want to go to church, we'll bring the church to Chicago. Chicago for Jesus, right? But there's so many miracles. When he saved the woman that was, uh, had an issue of blood, right? The woman caught in adultery, feeding the 5,000. Everywhere he went, healing a blind man, healing lame men. Jesus performed miracles. He went to the people. And he loved people. Did he say, oh, first you got to be saved, then I'll, then I'll heal your leg? No. Once people believe, they're ready to... To just throw it all away for Jesus. People believed in him. Jesus had followers. Jesus went to the people. So if we're supposed to go where Jesus went, where are we supposed to go? We're supposed to go to the people. How do you think this church is, is so successful? And it's not by numbers. This church is successful because we're obedient to the call that Jesus gave us. To go and make disciples. So if Jesus said go and make disciples... And he'll be with us to the very end of the age. We're already going where Jesus went. Matter of fact, where we're going today, Jesus is leading us. And it's such a beautiful thing where Jesus is leading us to the lost sheep. Even when Jesus called his disciples, right, he went to the lake by the Sea of Galilee. He said, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. What do you think he meant when he said, I'll make you a fisher of men? He's going to make you a fisher of men, which means you're going to go fishing for men. You're going to collect that men. You're going to go in and cast your, cast your, what is it, line, line, cast your line. And you're going to get men to follow him, to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not a fisherman, but I'm sure it takes a lot of patience, right? And some of us are going to be preaching out there today, and some of us are going to be like, man, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you. Some people will reject us, but God will do amazing things. You're going to catch a big fish. I mean, I never went fishing, but believe me, I see pictures on Facebook of big fish. Thanks, Pastor Joe, for all those pictures of the big fish that he caught, his son caught. Praise the Lord for that. So Jesus collect, got his disciples by going. He went. He walked by the Sea of Galilee. He seen a fisherman. He said, hey, come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus went. The third role of the disciple is to do what Jesus did. To do what Jesus did. John 14, verse 12. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater than these things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Who is the Son? Jesus Christ. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus said, if you believe in me, 
you will do the works I have been doing. What has Jesus been doing? Teaching, healing the sick, raising the dead, teaching about the kingdom of God, preaching about commands, right? You will do what Jesus did. Jesus made disciples. You will make disciples. Jesus went. You will go. And that's what a Christian is. See, a Christian was a term, actually, it's only found three times in the Bible. How many of you know that Christian is only found three times in the Bible, the word Christian? It was only found three times in the Bible. What's the legit, what most important is the disciple, the disciple. The disciple will teach what Jesus taught, do what Jesus did, and go where Jesus goes. That's what a disciple does. That's what a Christian is. Christians are like little Christ. It was a term to mock them, right? It was a term to mock them because they acted just like that one guy, Jesus, that had crowds and was disturbing everything, right? They're like, oh, those are Christians. They're, they're like little Christ. They do what Jesus does. They got to stop healing people. They got to stop raising the dead. They got to stop teaching about the kingdom of God. That's what Christians did in the early church. They met in homes. They had prayer meetings. The places were shaken, and they preached boldly for the Lord. Jesus loves people. Jesus does. Jesus loves people. And as soon as you give your life to Jesus, you will feel that love for people. I mean it. As soon as I got saved five years ago, it was in the winter. I started preaching in that very winter. I remember going out to Wicker Park with, with Brother Jared. And, man, it was cold. And I didn't really know how to preach. But I was zealous. And I was like, hey, man, have you been born twice? Have you been born again? Asking people who never heard about being born again these questions, right? But as soon as you get saved, you're like, I want to tell somebody. I, re I even remember going to a friend's party. And I, I had the Bible there. And I, they didn't know Jesus, but I had the Bible there. I didn't know what sin was. So I was like drinking a little bit, you know. They were smoking over there. I, I, was, I had the Bible in the party and I, full of the Holy Spirit. I took it upon myself to teach them about Jesus. And I started to say the Bible had answers for everything. You guys are confused. The Bible had, had answers. And this is a great testimony. I open up to a page. I point it. I'm like, what does that say? And actually it said, turn to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Then guess what happened? This guy, my friend, he slaps the Bible out of my hand. It falls on the ground. I open it back up. I'm like, read another one. They read the exact same verse. And it's amazing. God used me just by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Automatically the disciple wants to preach about Jesus. Because if we receive the cure, guys, I used to be atheist, okay. I used to be atheist. I didn't believe in Jesus Christ. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in a higher being. I learned about the Big Bang in high school, and I was fine with that. No need for a higher power. No need for false beliefs. But then I found Jesus at a church just like Metro Praise. Actually, it was Metro Praise. Metro Praise Wicker Park. I found Jesus in that place, and I realized I, re I received something I never had before, and it was salvation through Jesus Christ. I want to read Matthew 9. Can you please put Matthew 9, <clears throat> verse 35 to 38? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I wanted to use our imagination right now. Because just imagine you were Jesus with your disciples. You're walking along, right? Teaching in synagogues, teaching, right? The, everything, the kingdom of God. And then you see crowds outnumbering you and the other 12. 
crowds beyond what your eyes can see. And imagine Jesus saying, I'm supposed to change the world with these 12 and myself. He had compassion. He was moved. And he's like, man, there's a lot more people out here than I have. More, more people out here than I have soldiers. He was moved. He's seen them and he loved people so much he was moved with compassion. And he started to say that the harvest is so great, but the workers I have are few. Then he said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The Lord understood that we needed workers if we're going to reap this big old harvest. He's seen the need of the people. People are lost like sheep without a shepherd, not even knowing that they're lost, right? Not even knowing that they're lost. And guys, my heart breaks for this too. Because when we're out there in Humble Park, you're going to see that people are lost. Because you have salvation. And most people out there don't. And you're going to be moved with compassion just like Jesus was. And you're going to start praying on the spot, Lord, we need more people than this. Lord, you said we will do greater things. We will do greater things. God, we believe it. So God, use me. Jesus, seeing the need and the help of the people, he said, man, they're helpless and harassed. These are my creation. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross. He realized when he looked at the crowd, this is what I came for. If Jesus could leave his throne in heaven, be born of a virgin, be raised by his own creation to the age of 30, then start preaching about the kingdom of God at hand. And start healing the sick, raising the dead. This is why he came for. He did it because he loved people. Then we should not make an excuse. If he could leave his throne in heaven and start changing the world, we should leave our sofas at home, start changing the world. This is what Jesus did. That's the cost of following Jesus, that you would count the cost and say, it's not about me. Once you give your life to Jesus, you already done surrendered it all, right? You already have victory from the enemy, right? The enemy has no hold over you. You gave your life to Jesus, white flag went up, you're saved. And now he wants to use you to change the world because he said through me, you will do greater things than I have been doing. Because he was only one man, right? But he promised the Holy Spirit that we would change the world. I want to go into a time of training. The message of the disciple, as you can see, that's our time of training. On your handout, the message of the disciple, a time, a time of training. How do we preach the gospel? How do we let the lost sheep know that they could be saved and found? First, we have to understand that in the beginning, God created man in his image. And God is perfect. Amen. So God made man perfect. Man was sinless. He had, man already had eternal life. Man already had eternal life. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. And he blessed them. He said, he gave them all the food they wanted. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And it was so, right? God made man perfect. Man was never, man was never supposed to sin, but man sinned. How many know man sinned? Right? The serpent deceived First Eve, then Adam, and man sinned. For the first time ever, man has turned her back against God. And it was at that moment that God realized this is not good. Later on in Genesis, you'll go on to read that, that God actually repented from ever making men. He's like, man, these men are so evil. 
Man sinned, and sin is like slapping God in the face, as my brother Joseph Bonilla likes to put it. Sin is like slapping God in the face. Imagine if your child slapped you in the face. It would not be good, right? But man sinned. Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we know that to be true. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So when man sinned, it brought death to the world. Death entered the world. Curse entered the world the day man sinned. So why is there evil in the world? Because man sinned. Why is there sickness in the world? Because man sinned. Man became cursed that day. But how many know that God had a plan to restore man back to that image? How many know that God wouldn't let his creation go tainted forever? He had a plan to make a perfect man, Jesus Christ, be born of a virgin and take that punishment of God on the cross so that the perfect man who, want, who became sin can now be righteousness through the one who became sin, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. That's what he did. He became sin. So all, everything that entered the world that day meant sin, sickness, curse, death, right, is being changed for eternal life. We get that inheritance. So there is salvation through Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Why does the world need saving? Because death entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned. And man no longer could live forever. But now through Jesus Christ, we can live forever. Jesus said, if you believe in me, even though you die, you will still continue to live. And we're waiting for Jesus to come back, right? Romans 5, 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, Adam, right? So also one righteous act through Jesus acted resulted in justification and life for all people. That's what Jesus did. He brought life back to us. And repent and believe. The last message, not the last message of the disciple, but this is the last step for someone to come to know Christ. They have to repent and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? Romans 10, 9. It says, if you, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So people need to believe in their heart and say it from their mouth, Jesus is Lord. Okay? We don't do fake stuff here. <laughs> For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put, never be put to shame. Peter said, repent and be baptized in Acts 2.38. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off. Once again, Jesus loves people. And these four steps, these four messages of the, of the disciple, study them. Understand, this is how someone is led to Christ. They have to understand that they're sinful, that they have went against God, they're rebellious against God because they are originally, man was originally perfect, but we messed that up, right, man? And they have to understand that they're in sin. And in order to be saved and come to know God that, that sin separates from, because sin separates us from God, that's what sin does, they need to repent and believe in Jesus because what Jesus came to do is wipe out the sins of the world. If you believe in him, you will be saved. People we talk to today, if they believe in him today, they receive salvation today. 
And if they truly believe in their heart, then they will never be the same again. They have to believe in their heart and confess with their mouth because your heart will change your whole life. Your heart is like the, the rudder of your life, man. If whatever's in your heart, that's what you're doing on the outside. And if you have Jesus in your heart, then what are you doing on the outside? God's will. You're doing stuff for Jesus. All right, the last part of this message is the execution of our message. If we could all stand to our feet right now, the execution of our message. This is so important because now we understand what to tell people today who never heard of Jesus, right? They're, they're in sin. If they, if they repent and believe, they'll be saved and that there's salvation through Jesus. Now that we know that we need to execute it, we need to preach it, right? And if we look in the Bible, it gives how that's supposed to be done. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the first part, we need to be full of the Spirit as we execute this message. I mean, that's what they did in the book of Acts. They started preaching once the Holy Spirit fell on them. If I could get my brother Adam to come and, or Rachel, whoever does the nice music in the background. We're supposed to do it full of the Spirit of God. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. Full of the Spirit. That's what they did in the book of Acts. And if he said we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, we better have the Spirit on us if we want to receive power. If we want to preach in power, we better have the Spirit. Right? What about speaking in tongues? Huh? Some of you do, praise the Lord, but some of you don't. You will have an opportunity today to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you will preach in power. When the day of Pentecost came, this is in Acts 2, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole, the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See, they began to preach boldly once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, which was followed by speaking in tongues. See, what is speaking in tongues? You see, it's when the Holy Spirit comes on you like a violent wind and you start to say stuff in the Spirit and then out loud with your mouth like you never said before. That's how you truly know the Spirit has consumed your life. And you realize you will start to preach with power. Because there's something on your lips, man, and it's nothing you created. And then when you start to speak that English, it's exactly what's going on in the spirit. And, man, it's powerful. See, we're supposed to preach with signs and wonders. <clears throat> Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Eh? Eh? They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. Right? Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed their message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. It confirmed the message of his grace that Jesus has grace on people, right? 
And what confirmed the message was they were preaching boldly, right, performing signs and wonders. Can we get some prayer workers up here, please? We're going to have a time of prayer and altar time for us to respond. And here's what I want us to focus on. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you want to preach boldly, that is a secret. Your mouth will go off and you will start saying things you never even <laughs> knew you knew on the streets when the Spirit starts to speak through you, enable you, right? And if you want signs and wonders to, uh, to be performed through your life, if you, want to be, if you want to be moved by compassion, then come for prayer. Look, after this prayer time, we're going to go through instructions on, on street wisdom, right? How to, how, to, how to be on the street, how to be safe, some protocols that we have on the streets. After this prayer time, we're going to have a little break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to have an instructions that we'll go over, okay? But right now, let's all, lift, let's all focus on Jesus.